Ashley Brock reading Nora Roberts books. Nora Roberts book, Rising Tides, chapter eleven. I'm telling you, it's a roller coaster <laughs> from here on out. In the dark, while an owl still hooted, eats and shifted, easy out from under the arm Grace had wrapped around his chest. In response, she snuggled closer. The gesture made him smile. <laughs> Are you getting up? She asked in a voice that was muffled against the shore. I've got to. It's already after five. <laughs> he could smell rain on the air near coming in the right one. I'm going to get a shower. You go back to sleep. She made a sound that he took for a sentence and burrowed into the pillow. He moved lightly through the dark, though he had to check himself a couple times on the way to the bathroom. He didn't know her house as well as his own. He waited until he was inside before turning on the lights of the backwash if it wouldn't spill into the hall and disturb her. The room was scaled to match the rest of the house. A small wicket had stood in the center, touched each side with each side wall with his hands. The towels were white. The walls above them were papered in tiny candy stripes. He knew she hung the paper herself. She rented from Stuart Claremont, and the man was known for his generosity or his sense of decor. He had to grin at the orange-billed rubber duck nested on the side of the tub. One sniff at that soap made him realize why Grace always smelled faintly in limits. While he appreciated the fragrance on her, he hoped sincerely that Jim would notice the citrus scent on him. He ducked his head under what he thought of as a piss trickle of spray. She needed a new shower head, he decided in his he rubbed a hand over his face, noted that he needed a shave. Both would have to wait. But it was likely that now that things had changed between them, she would let him take care of a few things around the house for her. She always been so blessed stubborn about accepting help. It seemed to him that even a proud woman like Grace would be less stiff about taking help from a lover than a friend. That's what they were now. Ethan reflected, no matter how many promises he made to himself. It wouldn't end with one night, neither of them was built that way, and it had as much to do with heart as it did with loins. They'd taken a step, and that step involved commitment. That's what worried him most. He would never be able to marry her, have children with her. She would watch more children. She was too fine a mother, had too much love to give not not to want them. Aubrey deserved brothers or sisters. There wasn't any point in thinking about it. He reminded himself things were the way things were. Right now, he had a right and a need to live in the moment. They would love each other as much as they could for as long as they could. That would be enough. It took him barely five minutes to discover that Grace's hot water heater was as small as the rest of the house. Even the misery trickling of water turned cool, then cold, before he managed to rinse away all the leather. Jay bastard, he muttered, thinking of Claymont. He switched off the spray, wrapped one of the bright pink towels around his waist. He intended to go back and dress in the dark. When he opened the door, he could see the light from the kitchen and hear Grace's still sleep husky voice singing about finding love just in the nick of time. While the first drops of rain pattered against the window, stepped into the scent of bacon fried and coffee brewing, the side of Grace wrapped in a short cotton robe, the collar of spring leaves, his heart gave such a hard bounce of joy, he was surprised it didn't simply leap out of his throat and lay quivering in her hands. He moved quick and quiet so that when he wrapped his arms around her, pressed the lips to the top of her head, she jolted in surprise. I told you to go back to bed. She leaned back against him, closed her eyes, absorbing the lovely thrill of kitchen embrace. I wanted to fix you breakfast. You don't have to do things like that. Turn around. I don't expect things like that. You need your rest. I wanted to do it. His hair was dripping, his chest gleaming was wet. The sparkling gush of lust, lust but both the light and the tractor. Today's special. I appreciate it. 
He bent indicated, tending to give her one soft morning kiss, but it deepened, lengthened until she was on her toes, straightening against him. But he had to pull himself back, block off the Russian need, tug off that robe, and take her. The bacon's gonna burn. He murmured, and this time pressed his lips before. I'd better get dressed. <laughs> she turned the bacon briskly to give him time to cross the room, and it had been right as she thought about having power. Ethan? Yeah? I've got an awful lot of need for you stored up. She glanced over her shoulder, and her smile was smoked. I hope you don't mind. The blood danced gleefully out of his head. She wasn't just flirting. She was challenging. <laughs> he had a feeling she knew she'd already won. The only safe answer he could think of was a grunt. Before he returned to the bedroom, he wanted her. Grace did a quick dance and then they made love three times. Three beautiful, glorious times during the night. Slept right around each other and he still wanted her. It was the most beautiful morning in her life. <laughs> It rained all day. The water was rough as the tongue of a shrew and just as likely to lash. Ethan fought to keep the boat on course. He was glad he hadn't let the boy come with him. He and Jim had worked in worse, but he imagined Seth would have spent a good portion of the day hung over the rail. But foul weather couldn't spoil his mood. He whistled even as rain slapped his face and the boat pitched under him like a radio bronc. Jim eyed him sideways a few times. He worked with Ethan long enough to know the boy was the friendly... Friendly, good-natured sort, but whistling a fool he wasn't. He smiled to himself, so he sold up another pot. Looked like the boy did some more energetic than reading in bed last night, if you asked him. About time, too, if you asked him. By his reckoning, Ethan Quinn was around about 30 years of age. A man should, should ought to be settled down with a wife and kids by that time of life. A waterman was better off going home to a hot mill and a warm bed. good woman helped you through, gave you direction, cheered you up. When the bay got stingy, as God knew it could, he wondered who this particular woman might be. Not that he stuck his nose in other people's business, he minded his own, expected his neighbors to do the same. But a man had a right to a little curiosity about things. He pondered on how to bring the subject around when an under-the-limit she-crab found a tiny hole in his glove, snapped before he could toss her back. Little bitch, he said with a wince, but without me, she get you. Yeah. Jim watched her splash back in the water. I'll be back for you before the season's over. Looks like you need new gloves there, Jim. Wife's picking me up some today. Shoved us all one out wives they use for bait and trap. Sure helps matters to know you got a woman to do for you. You some. Mm hmm He said shoved the steering stick with one hand. Picked up the golf with the other. Time to chopped in the distance. A man spends the day working on the water. It's a comfort to know his woman's waiting for him. A little surprised that they were having a conversation. Ethan nodded. I suppose. We'll just finish up this line, Jim, then head in. Jim curled the next pot, let the silence settle between them. A few goals were having what Jim thought of as a pissing match overhead, screaming and diving and threatening each other over loose fish parts. You know me and Bess? We've been married 30 years come next week. Is that so? Steady's a man, a woman does. You wait too long to marry, though. You get set in your ways, I guess. You'd be around 30 now, wouldn't you, Captain? That's right. Don't want to get set in your ways. I'll keep that in mind. He said, told him to shut off the gap. Jim merely sighed and gave up. When Ethan wandered into the boatyard, Cam was at the skill song when three young boys were seen in the hall, or pretended to. You hire, no, you hire a new crew? Ethan said as Simon trotted over to investigate. Cam glances were set, chattered away with Danny and Will Miller. It gave them out of my hair. You give up, crabs. Give up on crabs today. Pulled in enough. Pulled out a cigar and lit it while he gazed thoughtfully out 
the open car. Rain's coming down pretty hard. <laughs> Tell me about it. Cam sent an accusing scrowl toward the streaming windows. That's why those three were in my hair. The little ones talk your ears blue. If you don't have the others doing something to keep them busy, they make trouble out of thin air. <laughs> well, he's some puffed out smoke. Watch the kids send Simon into ecstasy with rough rubs and scratches. At the rate they're going, they'll have the hall sanded down in 10 or 20 years. <laughs> That's something we have to talk about. Hiring on those kids for the next two decades? No work. It was good time. It's any take a break. Cam stoop. Stomp and pump iced tea out of the cooler. I got a call from Todd Barnett this morning. The front of you yours who wants the fishing boat. That's right. Now, Barnett and I go back a ways. He knows what I can do. He offers you another race. He had Cam use cut the dust in his throat. The seat, sweet tea. Turn it down. Had stung, but this thing had eased more quickly this time around. I made a promise here. I'm not breaking it. Ethan tucked a hand in his back pocket, looked toward the boat. This place, this business had been his dream, not Cam's, not Philip's. I didn't mean it that way. I guess I know what you put away to pull this off. We're near today. Yeah, but you're the only one who's given up anything to make it happen. I haven't bothered to thank you for it, and I'm sorry for that. Every bit as uncomfortable as Brother Camp stared at the boat. I'm not exactly suffering here. The business is going to help us get permanent guardianship set, and it's satisfying on its own account. Of course, Phil's bitching about our cash flow every time you turn around. That's his strength. Bitching. He's in grand on the cigar clemency. Yeah, and cash flows. You and me, we could never pull this off without him nagging us about the details. We may have more for him to nag about. That's what I started to tell you. Barnett has a friend who's interested in a custom cat boat. He wants fast and he wants pretty. Fitted out and sailing by March. He's in brown. Work timetables in the It's going to take us another seven or eight weeks to finish this one. That puts us into the end of August, beginning of September. Calculating, he leaned back against the work, but his eyes narrowed against the smoke. And we got the sports fisher. I can't see us finishing her off before January. And that's pushing. That doesn't give us enough time to deliver. No, not the way things are. I can give it full time. And after crab season's over, I imagine you'll put in more hours here. Oyster isn't what it was, but you'll have to decide if you can juggle more time off the water eating and in here. He knew what he was asking. He didn't just live on the water. He lived for it. Phil's going to have to make some hard decisions before much longer, too. We're not going to have the cash to hire on laborers for a while yet. Blew out of breath. Unless we count a couple of kids, this friend of Barnett's isn't ready to commit. He's going to come down and take a look at the place and us and what we've got here. Maybe we make sure Phil's around with a sweet talk and do a contract and a deposit. He didn't hadn't expected it to happen so soon. Have one dream grow and steal from the other. He thought of the chill winter months spin dredging, the rise and fall of the skipjack over hard chop, the long, often frustrating search for oysters, for rockfish, for a living nightmare for some, he supposed, but hope and glory for him. Took the time to look around the building. The boat nearly finished, waiting for will waiting for willing, unable hands under the hard overhead lights. Test drawings were framed on the wall, spoke of dreams and sweet and sweat, tools still shining under a coating of dust, stood silent waiting, boots both by Quinn, he mused, if he wanted to grab a hold of one thing, he had to let go of another, I'm not the only one who can captain the workboat or the skipjack, he saw both the question and the understanding came his eyes and jerked his shoulder, it's just juggling time where it needs to be spent most, yeah, 
I guess I could work up a design for a cat. And I have to do the darling. Cat at it and came at it and laughed when he said grimace. We all have our strength, pal. Or it isn't yours. I was thinking about it. Ethan said, and we'll see what happens next. Good enough, so. How the recipe exchange go? Ethan ran his tongue around the inside of his cheek. I'm gonna have to talk with your wife about that. Be my guest. Smiling, came put a cigar from Ethan's fingers. Took a trail of Kayla's puffs. Sure, look relaxed today, Ethan. I'm relaxed enough. He said evenly, and I think you might have seen fit to mention to me that Anna had some plot to improve my sex life for me. I might have, if I'd known about it. Then again, since your sex life needed some improvement, I might not. On impulse, Cam grabbed Ethan in a headlock. Because I love you, man. He only laughed when the elbow plowed into his stomach. See, it even improved your reflexes. Ethan shifted, angled his weight, and reversed the positions. You're right. He said and rubbed his knuckles hard on the top of Cam's head for good measure. Since it was his night to cook, Ethan added an egg to a bowl of ground beef. He didn't mind cooking. It was just one of those things you did to get through. He harbored a small, selfish, and purely choked nobody's hope that Anna would take over the kitchen duties as a woman of the house. She squashed that hope like a bug. Of course, having her around did spread out the chore, but... But the worst of it, as far as he was concerned, was figuring out the menu. It was different from cooking for himself. He learned quickly enough that when you cook for family, everybody was critting. What is that? Said the man when Ethan shook oatmeal into the mix. Meatloaf. Looks like crap to me. Why can't we have pizza? Because we're having meatloaf. Because <laughs> we're having meatloaf. Seth made a gagging sound. Seasoned up some tomato soup in the mix. Gross. I'd rather eat dirt. There's plenty of it outside. Seth shifted from foot to foot. Rose up on his toes to get a closer look at the bowl. The rain was driving him crazy. There was nothing to do. He was starving to death. He had six million mosquito bites. And there was nothing but kid crowding news on TV. When he listened this literacy of complaints, Ethan really shrunk. Go bug Cam. Cam had told him to go bug Ethan. Seth knew from hard experience that it took much longer to bug Ethan than Cam. How come you all put that crap in there if it's called meatloaf so it doesn't taste like crap when you eat it? I bet it does. For a kid who only months before had known where his next meal wasn't coming Hadn't known where his next meal was coming from. He thought darkly. Seth had gotten mildly particular. Instead of saying so, he aimed a single sharp dart. Cam's cooking tomorrow. Oh, man, poison. Seth threw his eyes dramatically, grabbed his throat, and staggered around the room. He said might have been mildly amused. Dogs hadn't gotten into the act, scrambling and barking wildly. By the time Anna walked in, Ethan had the meatloaf in the oven. was dumping ass turned into his palm. Hi. Miserable day. Traffic was filthy. She raised an eyebrow at Ethan dropped Hey, Kyle, all day rain can sure give you one. Uh, this one's name says, oh, concerned. She poured herself a glass of wine, prepared to listen. There's bound to be periods of stress and difficulties. He has a tremendous amount to overcome, and his belligerence is a defense. Did nothing but complain for the last hour. My ears are still ringing. Doesn't want me loaf. Ethan muttered and snagged beers from the fridge. Why can't we have pizza? You gotta be grateful somebody's put food in his belly. That he's saying he looks like crap. He ought to be grateful somebody's put food in his belly. Said he's saying it looks like crap and will likely taste worse. Then he gets the dogs all fired up so I can't even work in pace for five damn minutes. And he tried off. Still that when he saw a grin. He's for you to be amused by it. I am. I'm sorry. But I'm even more pleased. Oh, Ethan. It's so wonderful, normal. He's behaving just like an annoying ten-year-old after a rainy day. 
couple months ago. He just spent that time soaking in his room instead of giving you a headache. Such tremendous progress. He's progressing into being a pain in the ass. Yes? Well, tears of delight in your eyes. Isn't it marvelous? He must have been really annoying if it was enough to try your unflappable patience. And at this rate, he'll be terrible by Christmas. That's a good thing. Yes, Ethan, I've worked with children who haven't faced nearly the mystery Seth has, and it can take them so much longer to adjust, even with counseling. You and Cameron Phillip have done wonders for Seth. Cooling off, Ethan, something bear. You had a hand in it. Yes, I did, which makes me as happy on a professional level as I am on a personal one. And to prove it, I'll give you a hand with dinner. Say so she shrugged out of her jacket and began to roll up her sleeves. What did you have in mind to go with the meatloaf? You plan on sticking some potatoes in the microwave because they didn't require any fuzzing. Maybe digging some frozen peas out, but uh, maybe some of those cheese noodles you make would go nice as a side dish. The Alfredo? Cholesterol City? Added some meat up, but what the hell? I'll fix them. Why don't you sit down until the headache passes? It already had, but it seemed smarter not to mention it. He sat, prepared to enjoy his beer, fixed his sister-in-law's wagon. Uh... Grace said I should thank you for the recipe. She'll let you know how it turns out. Oh? Turning to her satisfied smile, Anna reached for an apron. Yeah, I got the fried chicken makings for you. Stuck it in the cookbook. He hit his own smile. <laughs> when her hair's head swirled. You? Oh, well. I'd have given it to you last night, but it was late when I got back. And you were in bed. I ran into Jim. When I left Grace's, Jim, puzzled noise showed clearly on her face. Went on over to his place to help him tune up this outboard that's been giving him trouble. You were at Jim's last night? Stayed later than I meant to, but there was a ball game on. The O's were playing out in California. She could have cheerfully smashed him over the head with his own beer bottle. You spent last night working on an engine and watching a ball game? Yeah. It's entering in it? Like I said, it got kind of late. What was the hell of a game? She huffed out of breath. He ain't open up the refrigerator. Get out cheese milk. Men! She bought all oh, them idiots! What's that? Nothing. Well, I hope you had a fine time watching your baseball game. Well, Grace was almost a little miserable. I can't remember enjoying myself more. Went into extra innings. He was grinning now. Just couldn't help it. She looked so flustered her periods. He was trying desperately to hide it. Well... Hot damn! It's <laughs> chipped to get the fiancee out of the cover and saw say. Turned slowly, holding the package box. You didn't go over to Jim's to watch a ball game last night, didn't I? He lifted a brow, glanced thoughtfully at his beard and strips. You know, come to think of it, you're right. That was some other time. You were with Grace, was I? Oh, Ethan, who since she slammed the package down. You're making me crazy. Where were you last night? You know, I don't believe anyone's ever asked me that since my mother died. I'm not trying to pry. You're not. All right, all right. I am trying to pry, and you make it impossible to be, for be subtle about it. He'll be back in his chair, studying her. He liked her almost from the first, even when she made him uneasy. Wasn't a funny muse to realize that something over the last few weeks had come to love her, which meant that teasing her was well required. You're not asking me if I spent the night in Grace's bed, are you? No, no, of course not. She snatched up the pasta, set it down again. Not exactly. Were the candles her idea or yours? And then decided it was a good time to get out of skeleton. She just might need a weapon. Did they work? Yours, I imagine. Probably dressed too. Grace's mind doesn't work that way. She's not what you call sneaky. 
in a home to prepare to make her cheese sauce. And it was sneaky, underhanded meddling to send me over there that way. I know it, but I'd do it again more skillfully next time. She promised him. You can be annoying with me. Annoyed with me all you want, Ethan, but I've never seen anyone more in need of some meddling. You're a pro at it. I mean, being a social worker, you make a living meddling in people's lives. I help people who need it, she said, firing up the skill. God knows you do. God knows you did. She yelped with his hand dropped on her shoulder. She half expected him to give her a quick shake, so when he kissed her cheek, she could only blink him. I appreciate it. You do? Not that I care to have you do it again, but this once, I appreciate it. She makes you happy. Everything inside and is off. I can see it. We'll see how long I can make her happy. Ethan, let it stand. He kissed her again. As much in the morning as affection. We'll take it a day at a time for a while. All right. What's my problem? Grace is working at the pub tonight, isn't she? Yeah. Just so you don't have to bite your tongue and have to keep from asking. I'm thinking of going by for a while after dinner. Good. More than satisfied, and I got to work. Then we'll eat soon. End of chapter 11.